everybody. I am Alyssa and I am the owner of Greenhaven Massage Therapy. And today we have our exciting first guest who is Amanda Hall, and she is the owner of Willow Tree, oh, sorry, Willow Family Occupational Therapy. So, hey, Amanda. Hi. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having me. So, I want to start really simply. Can we learn a little bit more about you? Yeah, so um, I'm an occupational therapist and I own my own practice just outside of Kingston. Um, However, I do service in Kingston and as well as Battersea, South Frontenac area. I got into this work um, in a maternal sense after having my own kids, uh, realizing that there was a bit of a gap in service that um, I could have likely used the the role of an occupational therapist in the in my mothering journey, and um, both from a physical and a mental health perspective, and just transitioning into motherhood. And it was through my own experiences and speaking to friends of mine that had had babies and other colleagues of mine who were occupational therapists, we realized that there's actually a really unique role for OT in this realm. So I. Uh, did a ton of education and talked to a lot of OTs that um, are not unfortunately in Canada. Most of them are outside of Canada that I've been talking to, but uh, it's an emerging mm-hmm. role in OT. So it's uh, it's an exciting area to be working in for sure, especially when it's so closely linked to my personal life. That does sound like super exciting. So can you just for our listeners explain a little bit about what occupational therapy is and how it might be different from some of the other roles that they hear about? Definitely. So occupational therapy is one of those um, professions that you really don't know much about it until you've had to work with one either personally (laughs) or professionally. Um, We are a, a group of healthcare professionals that are regulated in Ontario Uh, We have a very evidence-based practice, so all of our uh, guidelines that we follow, our frameworks for practice, our interventions, assessment, everything that we can do is all guided through best practice and um, evidence-based research that we do within our field. Um, So many people have worked with occupational therapists when um, you may have yourself or a family member in the hospital. A very popular one is having a hip replacement Mm. and uh, an occupational therapist comes in and uh, helps you get the equipment that you need. That's just a small slice of OT, but one of the more popular ones. And um, ultimately what we look at as occupational therapists is what do you want to do? What do you need to do? And what are you expected to do on a daily basis in any realm that you are functioning in? And then we will help problem solve and work with you to come up with some ways to overcome some of those barriers, um, whether it is through um, functional movement or a mindfulness approach to um, developing coping strategies. We thankfully have a very wide variety of what we are able to do within our scope. So it makes our profession incredibly versatile. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the things I was most surprised about when I met you and I talked to you a little bit, because I knew like occupational therapists work with people that might have physical disabilities or go into people's Mm -hmm. homes. But when you started talking about like the range of options that you can help people with and offer Mm -hmm. them, I was like, oh my gosh, everybody needs to go see an occupational therapist. It's so true. I couldn't even cover all the different areas that an OT can work in. Mm-hmm. Um, we can work with every population, right, from infants in the um, the NICU all the way up to a more geriatric population, and um, you know, staying in ho- in their home to um, as opposed to having to go to retirement home or what have you. An inpatient, outpatient community, private practice, which is where I am. Um, children's uh, health and um, and equipment. It, there's just it's quite varied. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's just really cool because I love how you guys are able to really tailor your care to each person's individual needs. And I love, I mean, pre-pandemic more so than now, but that how you guys are able to work like with people directly either at their house or whatever is, is, Mm -hmm. you know, their biggest concern. Yes. So you said that your focus is a lot about like pre and postnatal care. So how does that fit into the role of, you know, being an occupational therapist? Oh, it's, yeah, it, thanks for that question. It's a really great fit. Um, it's an exciting fit, actually, that we're only really starting to understand the true fit for OT and maternal care. Um, part of what we look at as well, we're occupational therapists. So we look at the occupations that you need to do or want to do or are expected to do. Occupation is not just the job you go to every day. Occupation is everything you do in a day. Ah. And um, and the occupation of being a mother when somebody becomes pregnant or adopts or fosters, you're transitioning into that role as a mother. And so that mm. is the occupation that you're taking on in your life. Such There's a big change. Changes. It's a huge change. Yeah. So changes in life roles that you've been used to changes in routine and habits. Those are all things that we can look at in addition to how those um, changes in occupation, changes in function can start affecting um, your mental health and your physical health and just even your social health. Um, Looking at how environmentally, what can we do um, to adapt your environment in order to be able to make things a little bit easier. And sometimes it's just as easy as pulling a stool out because you just, you didn't know what kind of crib you were getting and you need to pull that stool out to stop that back pain when you're putting baby into your crib. Oh my gosh. So, yes. You know, it can be something as straightforward as that to um, something that's a little bit more intensive. So we, yeah. we like to think outside of the box and I think we need to do that a lot in motherhood as well and get creative. Oh, totally. I think, you know, people don't talk enough about, all of the changes. I mean, you mentioned a lot of great topics there that people will experience when they have babies or even during pregnancy. So that's so cool that you're out here, like working with people on those things specifically. Yeah. So I remember that you were saying you really loved, um, I mean, you focus on so many amazing things, but you, and I had a bit of a chat the other day and we were talking about how, everybody plans for pregnancy and and birth, Mm -hmm. but postpartum really isn't that time that really gets a lot of focus on. So could you tell us a little bit more about how you work with people during the postpartum period? 
Absolutely. One of the things that I advocate with uh, and throughout all the work that I do actually is it's really great to be able to develop a birth plan, which many people are familiar with. But what about that recovery plan? We need Mm -hmm. to be able to develop that recovery plan. Right now, I am working with a, a really talented student that I'm working with right now, an occupational therapy student. We are creating a recovery plan workbook, which is going to guide you through wow. planning your recovery. Um, it's been a really exciting project. I'm really looking forward to being able to release it in conjunction with some workshops and Uh, We're just we're really just envisioning how the rollout of this workbook is going to be, but it is a step by step workbook um, that uh, for parents and moms specifically to be able to work through to guide expectations so that um, you kind of know what you're going into and to um, have a support network established so that you know who you can call upon in those trying moments when you just don't know what to do, especially for first time moms or mm. even moms who are, are having another baby, a second or a third or even a fourth baby, um, that transition and adaptation. So some of the things I focus on within a recovery plan are um, expectations for your relationships, mm. expectations for food and nutrition. How are you going to eat as a new mom and different <laughs> strategies that you can yeah. put in there as well? <laughs> And then also uh, self-care and um, and taking care of, of yourself in a, a new way. Um, that's not just making sure your hygiene is, is up to date, not sure, <laughs> making sure that you just had a shower today. It's more of um, what are you doing to nourish your soul and your mind and your heart and um, taking in pieces of, of that person you were prior to having your baby. Yeah. And then sleep. Maternal sleep. There's a lot of focus on baby sleep, but let's also <laughs> talk about maternal sleep and mom's sleep, right? Oh my gosh. Like the, the doula in me is just so excited <laughs> <laughs> because I, I am so excited that you guys are putting together a workbook. I think that's amazing. Um, and also that it's going through details because people don't tend to plan for this postpartum period and they don't even tend to think about those kinds of topics and how their life might change when they are a new mom taking care of this new little person in their life. And, you know, everything is suddenly different for them. So that is so cool that you guys are addressing that. Thank you. I'm really excited to be able to do this. It's definitely been a work in progress. Um, One of the other little pieces that I'm really excited um, to have included in this workbook are little um, brief testimonials from moms in those different areas that are experienced moms that have had um, maybe barriers or have overcome or have um, been enlightened to reality in certain (laughs) situations of motherhood, (laughs) shall we say. And... um, And it's really just quotes from them. They're real moms that we've reached out to that have offered um, little nuggets of wisdom and advice um, to put throughout this workbook, which I think is is just a really special piece of this that makes it unique as well. Oh, I love that because we always see those beautiful pictures online of what motherhood (laughs) is and everything. And no one really talks about like the nitty gritty behind the scenes. So it's so nice that you can have like real people involved in that project and, and like sharing their wisdom with you guys. It's been really special. It's, it's definitely a work of heart for sure. 
there. <laughs> mm-hmm. What, um, speaking of like the postpartum period, are there any big things that you're noticing with this pandemic when it comes to gaps in care around postpartum period for people? I think generally speaking, there are, um, there are gaps anyways, or areas where we could um, put a little bit more focus in the care for maternal health. Um, and of course, any of these pre-existing um, areas for improvement in maternal care are certainly highlighted by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the um, pieces of work that I'm very passionate about is ensuring that every single mom in a postpartum period uh, is screened for postpartum depression, whether yes. they feel like they have symptoms or not. Mm-hmm. Many moms are in denial or don't know the symptoms or are thinking, oh, this is just normal part of motherhood. And it can prolong and prolong and get worse and worse. And they just feel like they don't have the support. But as healthcare providers, I feel like it is our responsibility to be able to feel confident in the way that we screen women for postpartum mood disorder. And then not just that, but communicate their results and follow up. And the follow-up is the biggest piece that I think we're missing right now is that, okay, you've scored this on your postpartum mood disorder screen. Now, what do we do? How do we support you? Instead of just saying, oh yeah, you have a mood disorder screen and here's some medication. Mm -hmm. I'm not knocking medication. I think that's a really important piece of a postpartum recovery. However, um, it's not the only piece. And there's a lot of other supports that we could put into play. OT is perfectly situated to be able to jump into this area because we specialize in creating um, client-centered interventions. And um, I think that's what we are missing after that screen. So we need to up our screening that we do for all moms, but then have a follow-up plan and an intervention plan. Yeah. When I heard that you guys work a lot with mental health, I was actually like super excited because I am a person who has suffered from depression and anxiety on and off. But for some moms that, you know, they're entering their postpartum period, this might be the first time that they're ever in, like having a, a period of depression or issues around their mental health on top of being a new mom. So I think you're completely right that, you know, they need more help and more support um, and they need more follow-up because oftentimes they just get, you know, a few checkups with their healthcare providers and then they're sent off to kind of be a parent. And that's really yeah. challenging. Absolutely. Especially because for nine months, it's about mom because mom's carrying baby, right? And then mom has the baby. And then all of a sudden, there's no more focus on mom or very little focus on mom, depending on on care provider, of course. But um, the focus really does change to baby. All the questions in um, that mom is receiving is all directed towards baby. How is baby sleeping? How is baby eating? How is baby doing? Um, And how often do we hear, how is mom sleeping? How is mom eating? How is mom doing? And I think, you know, as a society, that's something that we really need to shift our focus on to be able to say, you know what, how is mom doing? And be okay if the answer is something that we're not totally comfortable with addressing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Totally. Oh, that's just like, I'm so excited about all the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. I am too. (laughs) I want to shift a little bit um, to another postpartum topic very quickly. And you work a little bit with cesarean recovery. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Because 
I don't think people realize how common having a cesarean birth is. It's something like one in three people nowadays will have a cesarean birth. So I think we need to definitely touch base on that. Absolutely. Uh, Another great topic to talk about because like you said, it is quite prevalent. I don't think people realize how prevalent it is. Uh, Some of the work that I get into is looking at the recovery um, from expectations. I hear a lot from moms that um, they didn't actually get to birth their baby because of a cesarean birth. Um, Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that is not accurate information, but it's information that moms have been led to believe changed in expectations for their birth plan. Um, And there there comes to be a lot of guilt and shame, unfortunately, associated with the cesarean birth. Mm -hmm. I think our language is the first that needs to get changed in that realm. And that's some of the work that I do and and advocate towards language, uh, choosing carefully the language that we use. So um, a term that I've heard from my clients that is much preferable is cesarean birth as opposed to cesarean section. Yes. And then I've just recently heard this wonderful term from a friend of mine who had a couple of cesarean births, um, that it's a belly birth. So yes. just like a vaginal birth, it's a belly birth. I've and heard I that just, one too. I like it. I really love that. I think, you know, the biggest thing is when we think about the language, it's what do moms want to hear their birth being identified as? And using those terms that the mom feels comfortable with because cesarean section can be so medicalized. Um, And so finding as healthcare providers, finding language that our moms are comfortable with or birthing parents are comfortable with um, when we're talking about that. One of the biggest concerns that I have, though, and from talking to many clients and many friends that have had cesarean births, or belly births is um, that they don't know really how to look after themselves after they've had abdominal surgery. And so looking at some of those logistics of how do you get out of bed? Yes. The biggest concern. So we did a survey that actually went across Canada uh, last year surveying. I think we had about almost 70 respondents, which I thought was great. Um, all about what is their lived experience with cesarean birth and recovery and getting out of bed was one of the biggest issues that people had. Mm-hmm. So how are we as a, as, um, a society sending moms home with a newborn <laughs> baby that they need to look after? Right. And yet they yeah. don't know how to safely or comfortably getting up, get out of bed just for themselves. So yeah. it just adds on a whole other layer to, I, to transitioning. To yeah. I definitely see this too a lot in my own practice because oftentimes I'll work with people when they're pregnant and then after they have their babies, they'll come in and see me. And I often hear like gaps about gaps in care with their cesarean recovery. I mean, you're told not to lift anything and then you're sent home with this baby that you have to take care of. Exactly. Especially for people who, you know, maybe they're single parents or they don't have somebody that can come and, you know, take care of them for that first week or so after a major surgery. It's one of the like biggest major surgeries that we still do now um, Mm -hmm. is cesarean birth. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like those simple things is as simple as like, you know, tips on going to the bathroom, tips on getting out of bed, like people need to know that. And it's not talked about enough. No, it's not even just walking, Yeah, um, you know, pacing yourself. And uh, so I do have a, a course. Um, we've done it as a live version, but then uh, I think 
I'm transitioning potentially to recording a version so that it's a bit more accessible for moms. Um, Mm. As I recently had a mom reach out to me and say, I can't join your course, but can I have the recording? And I said, I don't typically record it just to provide some privacy for people who are who are in the course with me. Um, but I said, you know, you can sign up for the next one. And she's like, no, no, I just had a cesarean birth this morning. I need some help. <laughs> and I thought, okay. <laughs> so <Need> maybe help <laughs> now. <laughs> exactly. It was a bit more immediate than I yeah. realized. So I think, um, you know, providing this option to be able to record it and have it as like a downloadable um, offering is where we're transitioning with that. Um, That's great. Yeah. Great accessibility. Um, but if, if anybody immediately does need any support in that realm, um, I do just uh, offer discovery calls that I can chat with you and problem solve a little bit at first. And then, um, I have downloadable PDFs on my website to be able to help guide some of your recovery, uh, through some written documentation that we've got and provided. Yeah, guys, like you should totally check out Amanda's website. She has a bunch of amazing like resources on there for you if you're just interested about learning more. And that's at www.willowfamilyot.com. So I highly recommend you check her out. And this brings me to how are you offering services with people right now during the pandemic? What do, what can people kind of expect when they reach out to work with you? Yeah, that's a great question. It kind of fluxes every day. We're um, deciding how I'm going to offer services. Um, Lately, it has been all online. So I made the decision to transfer everything online. It was a lot easier for some of the moms that I was working with as well. For myself, when I had my kids home with me, um, when schools and, and daycares were shut down and trying to just even navigate through how do you practice as a healthcare provider in a private practice setting during a pandemic, something oh, yeah. I've never done before. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so it was a big learning curve for sure. Um, but I'm really happy to, um, I'm going to be announcing later this week, actually, that I'm opening up my office space for in-person visits and I'm resuming home visits now. Uh, Now that Kingston is in a green zone, I feel Mm -hmm. very confident that with precautions um, in regards to COVID that um, I can keep my clients as safe as possible uh, using different precautions and and screening tools that we've got. So I'm very, very happy to start doing in-person and in-home assessments and interventions. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes, we've had to deal with so many changes as healthcare providers over this <laughs> pandemic. And it's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, it's taught us like super patience and super flexibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's exciting that people can work directly with you as well as online. And I think that gives mm-hmm. people, you know, the option of whatever they're most comfortable with. So really accessible for everybody. Absolutely. So um, how can people reach you uh, to book their appointment? if they want to work with you? So there's a few different ways. I'm pretty easygoing with that. Um, So you can sign on to my website and just click book an appointment button or get in touch with me. Mm -hmm. Um, That will take you to our booking software that uh, you can see all the availabilities and book yourself in when it suits you. The benefit of that is that you can get it all done in the middle of the night when you're up in the middle of the night and you think, oh my goodness, I need some help. Hop onto the website and you can book your appointment and you're all set. Um, otherwise feel free to email me at amanda at willowfamilyot.com or send me a message through one of my social accounts or even text me. 
I don't mind that either. 613-331-3414. Text me or call me. Awesome. That's amazing. I want to be as accessible as possible. Yeah, totally. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when the population I typically work with is maybe a little bit more apprehensive to reach Mm. out. We're so as moms, I think we're so inclined to reach out for assistance when it's our kids, but when it's us, we're maybe a little bit more reserved. And, um, you know, I want to make sure that when that, that moment strikes that you think you're brave enough to reach out for some help in any area, um, being able to do that in a way and in a time frame that works the easiest and best for you is, is what I want to achieve. So, um, and the biggest thing is, is there's no judgment here. If you are a mom and needing to reach out, um, I foster an incredibly safe space, non-judgmental. Um, we're all living our own journeys in so many different ways. And uh, I think we need, need to band together to figure out how to get through this together at times. So Mm-hmm. And I can second that. Like Amanda is like the nicest person ever. Oh, you are so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> like you do not need to worry about like reaching out to her. She's lovely. So yeah. I think that wraps up our talk for today. And mm-hmm. I'll post um, Amanda's information if you'd like to reach her on both our Facebook posts and our podcast posts when that is put up eventually. So thanks so much for being here, Amanda. Thanks, Alyssa. It was so good. Yeah. And maybe we'll see you again. (laughs) So, (laughs) okay. Take care, everybody. Bye.